Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. I am Sarah Poet. I am your host and I am so excited to bring you this interview today with Christine Garvin. Christine is a friend of mine, a fellow entrepreneur in Asheville, and I always say she's like a walking encyclopedia with all things health and hormones and gut, and it is such a blessing that she came back to the podcast today. Christine was our guest on episode 11, where she shared the story of being very close to death after um, a fibroid surgery gone wrong. And um, I really recommend listening to that episode for her own uh, sacred remembering and health journey. And it's a wonderful compliment to to this episode. Um, I'm going to read her bio. Christine Garvin is a functional health coach based in Asheville, North Carolina. She weaves together her personal health journey, including a fibroid surgery that nearly killed her, with her training in functional health, nutrition, and hormones to help women to heal their gut and achieve hormonal balance. She's been featured in Health, Shape, Parade Magazine, and on MSN. She's the host of the podcast, Hormonally Speaking. She works with clients all over the world via Zoom, and she offers group programs for gut health and hormone health, including, I believe she has one coming up in September for women thriving in perimenopause. So women 35 and up, that's us. Okay, so here's where you can find her, christinegarvin.com. And after you listen to today's episode, I know that you're going to go to christinegarvin.com and sign up for this free summit that she is doing, a hormone summit, absolutely free to you if you um, follow during the time that it's releasing. I believe it begins September 20th. So listen to that. I know I'll be tuning into that every single day. Um, and also go to Instagram and follow Christine at Christine Garvin. And there's just such a wealth of educational materials. She's, she's always (laughs) putting out amazing content. Um, so if you've been listening to the podcast, I've been sharing some story about how I got a little tripped up with stress and, you know, energy this summer between mom and entrepreneurship and, you know, all of the things that women juggle. And I had been reaching for the caffeine, even though I knew that my body wanted to rest at the time that I was reaching for the caffeine. And what ended up happening was I had a lot of gut imbalance, um, a lot of IBS that like started to come back, which to be honest, in my life is not that unusual, which for reasons that I'll mention in the podcast today. But what was different is that the things that I knew to do for it, um, weren't cutting it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't working. And there was this message that was like, okay, something bigger has got to change. And I started tuning in again to Christine's work around how gut health and hormone health are so closely related, um, as women. And I started to realize like, 
oh, I'm 40 now. I need to be making some changes. Um, I'm starting with diet and exercise. Again, I'll explain in the, um, in the episode. But this really prompted me to reach back out to Christine and ask her to come back to the podcast because I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> and what happened here in this podcast episode that I love so much was this deep focus on nourishment and when we find ourselves with imbalance, you know, be it in the gut or the hormones, or our energy, oftentimes as women, we are going to beat ourselves up or fight our system. And I love about this episode that Christine is so encouraging to look at those imbalances as opportunities to come back to balance, to sustenance, to sustaining energy. And I am just so inspired by Christine because she really, really walks her talk. And just a few years after this, you know, life-threatening event and losing a part of her colon and really having to adjust her entire life, um, when you look at Christine, there's so much thriving energy. There's so much evidence of this regeneration that I've been talking about in terms of the feminine energetic. Um, you know, looking at her Instagram, <laughs> I'm always like, oh, Christine's out on a paddleboard. Oh, Christine's at the beach. Oh, Christine's smiling on a mountaintop. You know, she's, she's getting out, moving her body, enjoying life. And I really just really am so grateful and have learned and gleaned so much from today's episode and so much inspiration. Um, you know, as, as I am at this, apparently this perimenopausal, um, space in my life, it's like, you know, you've been hearing me say, I'm saying no to depletion. I am saying no to any depletion of the feminine energetic, including my body. And so the question then becomes, okay, what does this look like, right? Not, um, oh, I'm going to have to contend with so much more depletion before I find my sweet spot. No, it's like, I've already said no to depletion. I said no to depletion a long time ago. And so I've been on my quest to, um, to come back into that, well, that, that regenerative energy that is so inherently feminine. And Christine so beautifully takes us there in this interview. And it's just so encouraging. So let's get to it. Thank you for being here. And I hope this serves. Be sure to share it with a friend and share Christine's work. Shout it out. All right. Thanks for being here. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are on a path of feminine and masculine reunification. I'm your host, Sarah Poet. Women are healing from outdated paradigms and we are rising, but we're not doing it by fighting or further depleting ourselves anymore. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that unified truth. Here, we remember together 
through stories, tools, and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. We infuse the sacred with logic, soul with spirit. We heal, embody, and activate a new feminine leadership. Listen, learn more, and work with me at sarahpoet.com. Now, let's begin. On this podcast, as you know, we integrate the sacred with modern life. We integrate trauma healing and bridge that to sacred truth. We integrate the magical with the practical, the feminine with the masculine, and the information with the mystical and the soul. And now, all of this content, all of these things that we do here on this mic, in this space, with you listening and me on this side of it, now we're going to bring it together. The Sacred Remembering membership is now live so that you can interact with this content, bring your voice, your questions, your questing, your sacred remembering journey into a space of other women doing the same. But it looks different because it's your journey. Everyone is on their sovereign journey and we're going to be doing it together. This membership is really a women's community. I want you to think of it like community rather than you're just paying me dues to be in my membership. We are forming a community in a new earth feminine consciousness. That's what it's all about. In the community, there will be an archive of content, classes, meditations, esoteric clearings, energy healings, on and on. Teachings in every subject that you've heard me talk about, from energetic sovereignty to relationships, is in this archive, this library that my team has been building with me. And I will continuously add to that. We're going to have monthly focuses where we're we're focusing on a core content and I am giving you even more material. I'm so excited to build this with you. There will be live calls and I'll talk about those in just a second. Um, And then there's a Mighty Networks community. I don't know about you all, but I am tired of logging on to Facebook and I need a new energy in my communities. And I've been using Mighty Networks with a couple of different groups that I'm a part of and I really like it. It feels really fresh. And so um, we are going to be using Mighty Networks for our group to have a place where you can bring your questions. Other women can answer them. Um, It's a community. So I know right now in the world, there's a lot of question like, well, where can I totally be myself right here, right here in the sacred remembering community is where you can be yourself. Let me talk about real quickly what happens on the live calls, because this is such an exciting part of this. We will um, do some kind of centering, you know, breathing together. If you have no experience in meditation or esoteric work whatsoever, that's great. If you have walked with me and journeyed with me and yourself in deep shamanic spaces, deep, you know, meditative spaces, great. You're welcome as well. This is really for everyone. Um, and I find that that is true about my work. So I will be leading, um, breathing and 
energy healing, you know, esoteric spaces, opportunities, sometimes we'll journey together in more of a shamanic way. It's really beautiful. We'll just, we'll see what the theme is. We'll see what's coming up. And then um, I'm going to be doing some sort of theme teaching um, like I do here on the podcast. Maybe it'll link to the podcast, but there's always something (laughs) that we could be talking about, right? So maybe it's something that's coming up in the community and um, we take that to a community call. And then uh, there's going to be a QA and a with me. Of course, everyone is welcome to chime in. Um, But yeah, it's a chance to interact with me a little bit more. So the live calls, I really look forward to those. Um, Yes, I know we've had a lot of Zoom this year, but I've actually been working online since um, 2018 with groups of women and it works. And I trust that it's soul tribe that's really gathering here. Um, that's how we're doing this on this, at this time on the planet. It's like, if this resonates, then this is your place. Um, you have to know enough to trust that I'm not going to, you know, twist your arm in like manipulative, energetic marketing, that kind of thing. You just know it, right? You're a woman on your sacred remembering journey. You are standing in your sovereign energetics. You choose. Is this good for me? Is this not good for me? If this podcast is resonating with you, then I would say, yes, the the community is for you. So it's a chance to step in. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking at my notes to see if there's anything else I want to say. And I think, um, I'm done with the notes, but what my heart wants to say is that this time on the planet is about, you know, we're, we're coming into a new consciousness. This consciousness is a unity consciousness, but what this looks like on the path of being a modern woman, we have never done this before. We have never been in 2021 where we're having such an awakening of ancient, you know, mysteries and information. So many women are being called to, you know, do healing work or be light workers or own their magic or their art, um, you know, start their own businesses. Like it does not have to be esoteric. It often is. And so I openly am going to blend those things, but it's not all that woo-woo end of the spectrum, right? We're actually just saying like, yeah, magic is a part of real life. And magic actually really very practically happens um, in groups of women. And for about three years now, I've been holding women's spaces and watching that web that we truly weave when, um, you know, we get together with each other's intentions and truths and prayers and just begin to lift them up. And so I just, just opened the membership this week and the people that are saying yes first are the women who have been in those spaces with me because they know how powerful it is. So, hey, shout out to you all. Um, I have loved, loved, loved walking um, with everyone and I cannot wait to grow this community. So come on in, go to sarahpoet.com. Oh my gosh, I have a new beautiful website. It is there. It is there. Please go check it out. There are new offerings. Um, I'm holding space for men again. Side note, uh, couples work is there. And so um, check out the website and to find the membership site information, there's a whole webpage on it. Go to the groups drop down menu and you will find it. And it's $39 a month, or you can save some money by bundling it annually, super affordable for all you're getting. I promise, promise, promise. And um, we will see you there. We open this Sunday, 
919 for our first community call. And just hop on my email list. If you're listening to this in the next couple of weeks, and you just want to like check it out, um, go ahead and get on my email list. And I'll be sending out the invitations for the calls so that we can do some community calls before you join and you can get a a feel for it. But if you are here listening to this podcast, you are in the right place. Come on into the community. I want to meet you. Um, I want to meet you. I want to know you and interact with you and you will be made welcome. Um, One of the most beautiful things about the women who have walked with me for a long time, um, joining this community is that they are also going to just know exactly what to do. Like, Oh, okay. We just, we just talk about it. You know, we just ask the questions. We just interact with each other. We just help each other. We just send blessings. I mean, it's, it's what we do. It's what we do as women, um, in this new earth consciousness. So this is my invitation and my welcome to you. And I hope you take me up on it and I hope to meet you soon. So much love. Hey, Christine, welcome back to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. You've been on here before. Thanks for being a repeat guest. Absolutely. Thank you for having me back on. Yeah, I went and looked at this morning and uh, Christine Garvin was uh, episode 11. You were like, oh my goodness. Right in the, in the out beginning. of the gate. Yeah, yeah, right out of the gate. Um, and you shared amazing personal story on that mm. podcast. So really encourage everyone to go listen to episode 11 um, to get your backstory. But would, would you just reintroduce yourself for us today? Yeah, 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 sure. So I'm Christine Garvin and I am a functional nutritionist. And what that means, because people are always like, oh, I've heard about functional you know, stuff, but they're like, what does that mean? And really... I utilize um, testing, you know, functional testing. So, for example, like if we're looking at the gut, I'm going to do some stool testing, you know, and possibly some food sensitivity testing. If we're looking at the hormones, you know, blood tests that doctors do aren't necessarily the best when it comes to hormones. So I utilize saliva testing or dried urine testing, and that gives us a much clearer picture of what's happening, you know, in the hormonal landscape. Um, I do, excuse me, utilize serum tests that you do get from your doctors, but I look at those ranges from a functional perspective, which is much tighter range than, you know, if you go to the doctor, a lot of times you get testing done and they're like, oh, everything looks good because they have these wide reference ranges, right? But from a functional perspective, we can really tighten those ranges and see nutritional deficiencies before they become an issue, you know, before it becomes something that the doctor's like, okay, now you have to go on medication, that kind of thing. So um, really it's working from a root cause approach, you know, and depending on sort of what shows up, dietary changes, lifestyle changes, you know, supplementation, using herbs, nutrients that you're deficient on. So it's really about focusing on what's happening in your body, not just, you know, oh, I heard taking B vitamins is good, you know, and, and you can actually do a lot of harm taking supplements that your body doesn't need, you know, because everything works together and it's a very fine balance. And so, you know, uh, the deeper we can kind of dive into what's happening in your body at this time and really support it from that perspective, then the better off you're going to be, you know, and really particularly, you know, from the gut perspective, that is what I start almost everyone off on because, 
everything goes back to the gut, right? You can't heal your hormones if your gut is out of whack. Um, and we just tend to have so many things happening with our gut because, you know, mo- most of us have had multiple antibiotics in our lifetime. You know, maybe we've been on birth control, which also impacts our gut. You know, stress impacts our gut, environmental toxins impacts our gut. And so really working at cleaning that up is going to help support your immune system, which is really important, obviously, in these days. Um, it's going to support your hormones. It's going to support your thyroid, everything else. So, you know, I love really sitting down with people and figuring that stuff out. Um, and, you know, I came to this work kind of, as you mentioned in our original interview, because I had a very traumatic situation happen with a fibroid that grew and I had, uh, you know, myomectomy, which is fibroid removal, and they unknowingly burned me in three places in my intestines during that. So, yeah. So, lost half my colon. So, I know very, you know, very well how important gut health is. And even really before that, you know, in my 20s, I got into issues with my gut. And so, I've been through several rounds of this sort of gut healing. Um, and so, I understand sort of on the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual levels how important it is. Yeah. And I mean, your story is like, like you lost a portion of yeah. your intestines. I, the, the amount of rebalancing and I can't even imagine. So yeah. it's like, you're the gut guru at this point, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And I just want to shout out, like everyone go follow Christine on Instagram, um, because Christine Garvin, um, it, you're putting out so much education all the time. And um, so thank you for that. But Absolutely. I recently started to, tuning back into you because you're mm-hmm. always on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had really great conversations on your podcast, on my podcast about women and stress and this path that we've both walked of like, oh my gosh, I'm so out of balance, you know, mm-hmm. be it from a surgery and accident or stress in the modern world and being a woman in the modern world. And, um, you know, I had extreme adrenal fatigue by the age of 32, which yeah. tells you how much cortisol was in my system. 100%. Um, and so being on this path, you know, especially the last three years, like leaving the nine to five really looking at feminine and masculine like structure and flow and and how do we live like this as as women mm-hmm. um i actually dipped back into a significant imbalance mm-hmm. this past mm-hmm. summer that i didn't see coming until kind of the end of the summer i was like oh fuck things are out of balance and um i've been talking on the podcast about it a little bit but you know one of my deepest, deepest inquiries right now is really about like deep replenishment of energy, you know, be that um, in our bodies, in our finances, like as the feminine is like rising and coming back into embodiment, the energetic of the feminine really is one of regeneration, rejuvenation, vitality, nourishment, like that is the natural essence of the mm-hmm, feminine. Mm-hmm. And it's been one of my deepest inquiries, especially this year, just these energetics of feminine replenishment um, and, and where that has to do with money and prosperity and all that. So I got myself though in a bind because like being a 
woman who works from home and thankfully I've worked from home this entire pandemic. Right. While my child had online school for over a year. And I know so many women right now are juggling so much. And so, you know, I, I think these hormone issues and stress concerns are probably popping up everywhere. But, you know, he was home then this summer, he didn't have online school. So Mm -hmm. when he was here during the school year, I was just pairing my schedule to match his schedule. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. I know he has class at one. I'll schedule my clients at one. Mm -hmm. And during the summer, he didn't have his online school. You know, he's 12. So like he could handle some of this self-sufficiently. Right. Um, But during the summer, he was just chilling. Yeah. And so what, <laughs> he's like, what are we doing, mom? <laughs> exactly. So what that started to mean for me was like, you know, I wake up super early so that I can get my self-care in like whatever mm-hmm. that be. And and now I have a puppy. So like we have early morning sunrise mm-hmm. walks and all mm-hmm. that. So I'm up, you know, five o'clock and I'm taking care of myself, writing, doing the things for like two, three hours. And then he's awake. So then we have family time breakfast time. Then I go into session and what I'm doing, well, while I'm working, he's chilling yeah, and he's on his own. And then as soon as I was getting out of sessions, he was like, Hey, what are we doing? And sometimes he's like knocking on my office door before I'm even done. He's like, Hey, what are we doing? And so like, do not enter. (laughs) (laughs) It was like ping, 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 ping. I was on constantly. Mm -hmm. And by the time he would go back to his dad's, I was fucking tired. I was like, Oh, I had planned to work, you know, catch up day, but I'm super tired. And so I started to notice, like I went to some old go-tos. I was doing like the one o'clock, two o'clock Earl gray Mm -hmm. um, to like read, read bolt. Yeah. But my system wants a nap. Mm-hmm. at one or two o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't want to be asked to go back into hyperdrive. Right. Right. So I had gotten into that. Then I started having gut issues like from the black tea, from the stress. Right. And my IBS that I've had chronically throughout my life, you know, traumas with pregnancy and poor diet mm-hmm. as a child and all of that. Um, so some psychological, some physical, who knows? Your test could probably tell me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm always working with that. But the IBS was like back yeah, and yeah. in full force. And I was like, oh, we have a problem. We have a problem. And I went through like the two months of summer mm-hmm. like that before I realized like I have just created a hormonal imbalance in myself mm-hmm. that now I need to do something about. And I turned 40 this year. And so I started listening to you talk about perimenopause and I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, this is now me. Like this uh-huh. is me. And I uh-huh. need, I need to do some things differently. So I started making changes, like just based on what you recommend on your podcast and, mm-hmm. and your Instagram. And um, I think you had told me to stop eating fruit in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like first thing in the morning, I think you told me that like a year ago, <laughs> but I had this belief that that's when my A blood type needed to digest fruit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like, that's what would get my bowels going. And so mm-hmm. I was like a smoothie person in the morning mm-hmm. and I was like, this is playing into my gut issues right now. And so I switched, I started listening to you talk about protein, yeah. which I totally want to talk about today. Yeah. Um, and I was like, 
oh my gosh, I'm definitely not getting enough protein and I'm putting all the sugar in my gut first thing. So totally changed that. Like, and within one week it was cleansing, doing some Mm -hmm. enemas. I know you and I are Mm -hmm. like, yay, enemas. (laughs) Bring on the coffee enemas. Yep. Mm -hmm. So like a week of, of enemas, no fruit in the morning and like heavy protein in the morning. Mm -hmm. And my vitality was going back up like already in one week. And so that's when I reached out to you. I was like, can we have another interview? Yeah. We need to be talking about this, like yeah. sugar and protein and women and stress. So. Oh man, don't get me on the protein kick because I will go on and on. But you know, most women are not getting enough protein by I, far. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't believe this because I heard you say like, we need an ounce of protein per pound of body weight. Is that Well, uh, actually a gram. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I said it that, out. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, definitely little. not enough. Um, yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of different ideas on this out there, but I would say in the functional world, especially the functional hormonal world that most experts would say would recommend one gram of protein for the weight that you want to be. So, you know, say if you're 190 pounds and you want to be 180 pounds, so you would do 180 grams protein a day. And you tell that to a woman and she's like, what, (laughs) you know, so it's hard just to necessarily get, even if you're smaller, you know, it's maybe hard to get that amount a day, but really shooting to get up to at least 80 grams of protein a day, because I find most women are actually hanging out somewhere between 40 and 60 you know, uh-huh. I'm doing loose calculations, like just yeah. loose addition. And I think I'm coming in like around maybe, maybe 50, 60. And like my high protein breakfasts are now yeah. helping, but I'm having to, I feel like I have to, um, eat meat, which my, mm-hmm. my son is like, I'll eat sausage for breakfast. Are you kidding yeah. me? That's awesome. Yeah. But I'm eating meat and eggs and yeah. avocados and kale for breakfast. Yeah. Like get it in and it it is which is actually good definitely (laughs) helping but like my body the story i tell myself and maybe this will just change you know as my gut heals but i don't do well with a lot of meat Mm -hmm. like i don't really want to be eating it right and definitely not in the latter part of the day when my digestive acid is like turned back down yeah is lower yeah 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 so well, you know, I will say a couple of things and I know the meat, you know, versus veggie debate is high. Um, I find that it's v- virtually impossible to get enough protein in if you just eat vegetarian protein. Um, most women that don't necessarily feel good eating a lot of meat have maybe not eaten a lot of meat for a while. And what happens is we need enough hydrochloric acid in our stomach in order to break down protein properly, right? Um, And if you don't have enough of the HCL and you're not breaking down your protein to the amino acids that your body needs to, you know, utilize like everything from hormone production to repairing the gut lining. I mean, amino acids are used for everything. And that's part of why it's so important to get so much protein each day. Um, if you're not breaking down that protein properly, then you're feeling heavier. You're like kind of sluggish. And often that's because we just don't have enough HCL going on and our body will down regulate HCL production if we're not eating much meat. So that's why, you know, especially if you're a vegetarian or vegan and you're thinking about eating meat again, I say, go get yourself some HCL you know, in order to help break it down. And the biggest way you can tell that you aren't getting, you don't have enough hydrochloric acid is gas and bloating. If you have gas and bloating, 
then, you know, it's a big sign, you know, also you probably, your digestive enzymes need a little bit of support too. Um, but, you know, these are sort of some of the foundationals I work with people on because if you have acid reflux, you can't go right into taking HCL. So if you have GERD, acid reflux, all of these things, don't, don't do the HCL, but you actually have those issues because of low hydrochloric acid, right? It's completely oh, against the grain of allopathic medicine. Functional perspective, you know, I'll try and explain this really quickly, but basically our pH has to be acidic enough in our stomach in order to trigger the opening of the sphincter that is between the stomach and the small intestine, right? So it, it's like our bodies are amazing, right? They're always working on a feedback loop and like, you know, being triggered by different things. So it has to be acidic enough. If it's not, what happens is food will sit in your stomach. You've released some HCL, you've released pepsin. These are all mixed together to break down the food. But if it's not moving, it's starting to ferment in your stomach. Yeah. And what it's doing is pushing things up into your esophagus. And that's where you're getting the acid reflux from, uh -huh. you know? And so, of course, there is some acid in there. So it's doing some damage. We want to work on healing that first. But ultimately, I remember hearing this, um, you know, and it really brought it to my attention in a big way. You know, as we age, we just naturally produce less hydrochloric acid, right? Mm. As our hormones start to reduce less HCL. And this isn't, this is pertaining to men, but even for them, you know, there was a study done that at 18, a man will produce a pint glass worth of hydrochloric acid a day. By the time he's 70, it'll be a shot glass worth. Right. And so that's part of, I hate to say it, but like the breakdown of our bodies over time. And so we do, especially because stress impacts our digestion too. We need these supports. And I see people feel so much better. Just everything digests well, once they get those kind of basics up to where they need to go. Um, and, you know, going back to the meat thing, I know it's tough for a lot of people from an ethical standpoint, you know, from all of the, there's lots of different things that go into it. Like, what is, you know, what is your background? What is your ancestry? You know, has meat been a part of that or not? But for the most part, people feel a whole lot better. Women feel a whole lot better mm -hmm. when, once they start bringing more meat into their diet. And that's because it helps regulate your blood sugar. It is actually like in line with your cortisol production, blood sugar, uh, cortisol, and, you know, protein are all very interlinked. And so, you know, like when you were eating the fruit in the morning, like that was making your blood sugar raise and your cortisol too. And yes, yeah. cortisol should be highest in the morning, but it still can go too high. Like I just got a test back from somebody and I was like, oh my goodness, her cortisol was like through the roof first thing in the morning. Right. And that protein just like basically blunts that effect and mm -hmm. keeps it, things nice and balanced, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, particularly as you go deeper into perimenopause, I find women need more and more of that, you know, it's mm -hmm. building blocks of our hormones. So we really need that support. We need that blood sugar support. And some women can get through perimenopause with very little symptoms if yeah. they really tune in their diet. Right. Yeah. 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 So I want to talk about exercise a little bit sure. and I feel like there's, there's more to say about cortisol too, but mm -hmm. the, so exercise for me, when I was in adrenal depletion, mm -hmm. you know, um, eight, 10 years ago, it felt to me like I could not exercise. And yeah. I have heard many clients 
who are women who are very stressed and are experiencing symptoms like realizing, oh, I have an adrenal issue, um, whatever, whatever the cause. And the belief is I can't exercise. And I'd love to hear you speak on this, but Mm -hmm. what I've, you know, I am really realizing I've been doing the class for like over a year. I do Kundalini and I do like one of those daily. I'm, you Mm -hmm. know, I also, so I'm actually more active now than I have been probably in my adult life, like Mm -hmm. consistently active, consistently strong. My son the other day was like, mom, whoa, your arms are big, but they're like all muscle. He's like, flex for me. (laughs) You're like, what, these guns? Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, thanks 12 year old. That's a really big compliment. But you know, and it's important, I think for him to see me like take care of my body, but that's another topic. Yeah. But um, I'm really finding that like, if I am pairing this high protein breakfast with like actually using my muscles. Mm-hmm. It's a total game changer mm-hmm. in, in how I feel and my mm-hmm. sense of vitality. So, yep. um, yeah, I, <laughs> like I, I want women to exercise. So when I hear that in clients, I'm like, get a set of free weights or a kettlebell and just like start with the muscles. Like, yeah. cause it can feel quite honestly, like you're going to die. Like I remember yeah. being so depleted in my adrenals that I was like, if I exercise, I will die. Yeah. That was a belief. Yeah. That was a belief. So, um, one coach told me, you know, it was a man and he said, you're going to wake up at five and you're going to do, um, like 20 minutes of weightlifting and exercise and get a mini trampoline and just like do it in your living room while Mm -hmm. your child's asleep. And I did that. And I was like, I'm not dying. Mm-hmm. This is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, talk to us about exercise. Yeah, it's really, you know, an interesting topic when it comes to cortisol. And I'm going to back up a little bit and kind of explain, you know, adrenal, what we now call adrenal dysregulation. Okay. Just so people sort of understand that. Great. So in our brain, we have the hypothalamus and pituitary glands, right? And I kind of like to think of them as like where you would think your third eye is, but a mm-hmm. little bit back, right? Okay. So the hypothalamus is the master of our endocrine system, right? It's like, that's the guy that's in control of the whole system, right? Mm -hmm. The hypothalamus tells the pituitary gland what to release in terms of hormones that are signaling our adrenals, that are signaling our ovaries, that are signaling our thyroid, right? So like the energy and, you know, fertility centers of our body, right? Mm -hmm. It's really, really important, right? And so what happens when we're stressed? So let me back up for a second and say, you will always produce some cortisol because you would be dead if you didn't. Mm-hmm. Cortisol literally keeps us alive, right? Okay. It's what gets you out of bed in the morning. You know, the goal sort of is to have your highest level of cortisol after you wake up in that like first 30 minutes or so. And then it progressively goes down throughout the day. And then, you know, is at its lowest point at night so okay. that you can sleep. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what happens is, you know, we have that natural rhythm of cortisol, but then when we're under stress, we'll produce more, more cortisol to deal with the stressful situation. And, you know, when humans started, that was all good because you had sort of like, okay, the lion's coming after you. You got to run. Real threat. Yeah. You got your cortisol pumping, your adrenaline pumping, all of that. You know, that's saving you, but you're having that, you know, intermittently. You're not having it 
literally all day long, like we are, you know, between our bings from the social media, being on meetings, taking care of our kids, taking care of our partner, trying to work out, you know, worried about the world, (laughs) worried about the world. I mean, it's unending, right? Like if we don't, and this is where boundaries become so, so important. If we don't create this for ourselves, everything's going to come knocking. And is never going to stop. You know, you can't blame it on the outside world anymore. Like you have to be sort of in control of that. But so what happens with adrenal dysregulation is if you're consistently under stress and you're sort of consistently releasing this cortisol, it gets too high, right? And women can actually feel good on that. It can be a little addictive, right? Because you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm getting all the things done, marking off my list, I'm multitasking, you know, and in particular in your 20s. I was going to say earlier. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. Like you can handle it a little bit better, right? And there is that like, we're trying to build our lives and showcase that we're, you know, able to do all the things and be good at work. And you're sort of running off of that. And then as you know, as we start to age and I don't even just think of it as age, actually, I think of it as a buildup of years. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And suddenly your hypothalamus, which has been telling your pituitary gland to signal to your adrenals to release cortisol for so long, hypothalamus, it works as a feedback loop, right? Your adrenals are telling your hypothalamus, like essentially like we need more cortisol. Right. And at one point your hypothalamus is like, dude, this isn't working. Like we've been like telling you to make this cortisol and, you know, it, it's, it's actually an immunosuppressant. Mm. And so at one point, the hypothalamus is like, we got to put the brakes on this because you can only be immunosuppressed for so long before you're going to get really sick. You know, you, it, it impacts all of these different aspects of the body. So it's actually a protection mechanism where the hypothalamus says, Hey, pituitary, tell the adrenals to stop producing cortisol. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, for so long, we called it adrenal fatigue and this idea of you can't, you don't have sort of any more cortisol to make, or your adrenals aren't working properly anymore, but really it's a down regulation by the hypothalamus and pituitary to save you. You know, thank you for explaining that. That's awesome. It's, it's a really interesting, you know, because there's so many, older ideas and so many ideas now, right. That our bodies don't know how to take care of themselves or they get depleted. And it's really not depletion. Often Mm -hmm. it's the signaling from these these feedback loops and it can be, you know, mitochondrial dysfunction where uh, hormones can't get into the cells because of stress and all of that. But really there it's all protection mechanisms by mm. the body trying to get you back into homeostasis. And I think I that. shifting that perspective in your mind, like my body's not against me. It's actually trying to protect me is a really important mindset shift for women, yeah. you know, and that it is, let me listen now because, you know, it's going to, it, it's, you're starting to break down your tissues and your bones and all of these things when you're going too hard for too long, you know? And I don't want people to get to the point where you can barely get out of bed, but that's what's happening when you're suddenly like, Oh my God, I'm so exhausted. I can't get through my day. Coffee's not working anymore. All of those things is that your hypothalamus and pituitary has said, all right, we're stopping, you know, we're still producing some cortisol, but we're stopping this kind of up ramped production of it. 
And so here you are, I see cortisol tests all the time where you're, you know, low in the morning and you go lower throughout the day. And often it's in that nighttime. And a lot of women will tell me, well, I have the most like energy at night, you know, Mm. and it's, it's because you've kind of thrown your circadian rhythm, just totally out of balance. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we get addicted to like, I'm getting a lot of stuff done at night. And unfortunately, that's just making the situation worse. You know, we've got to reel it back in and really get back on our circadian rhythm and all your sex hormones. And the reason that I care about this so much, your sex hormones are going to be impacted by cortisol because basically going back to the hypothalamus and pituitary glands, you know, the point they're trying to keep us alive. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you have stress, you have to like deal with that these stress hormones are going to be released. They're like, you can't carry a baby right now. And whether or not you want to actually carry a baby, the whole point of our reproductive fertility system, right, Mm -hmm. is to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And even if we are not having a baby, we want that system to work really well because it does tons of other things for us, not just have us give birth, you know, like it's brain health, it's gut health, it's everything. Right. And so what happens is the hypothalamus and pituitary are like, we're focusing on keeping you alive right now. We're going to downregulate your sex hormone production Mm -hmm. because you can't get pregnant right now. You can't hold a baby right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so people are always like, what do I do with my estrogen and progesterone? You know, the kind of big, like sexy hormones. Right. And I'm like, you know, yes, that's important, but we have to look at your stress and your cortisol production first. Thank you for saying this. So, oops, I just dropped something and made a noise. Um, <laughs> I got really excited. Yeah. So, you know, I'm 32, like mm-hmm. when I was 32. And I, had I was like, you're 32. Yeah, girl, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 40. Uh, back when things were all super haywire. But yeah. like, you know, going to, you know, and I went to an osteopath, which is pretty right. like radical for some. It's like, right. And then I went to a naturopath and I ended mm-hmm. up at an endocrinologist. And um, those were the two that they tested for. No one knew what to do with me and why I was so like tired, tired. Yeah. at 32. Well, mm-hmm. I had just been stressed for like ever. For Absolutely. Ever. Absolutely. And so, yeah, like finding you and your information then would have been completely different, yeah. um, completely different path. Because I think like when they, I don't even remember, but it was like, those were the two that they tested for. Yeah. You know? Yep. And, absolutely. And then they're like, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to tell you. Right. And they don't even know what to do, honestly, with hormone tests most of the time. Anyway. An endocrinologist. <laughs> right. I know. Like, I know. know. They're like, you're in range, you know? And I'm like, you know, women will come to me and they said, yeah, my doctor tested my hormones. They say things are fine. I say, well, what day of your cycle did you take the test? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, that matters. What day 21, what your estrogen looks like and your progesterone look like on day 21 is much different than what it looks like on day three. It it tells me nothing. If you bring me a test and you don't know where in your cycle you were when you took that test, you know, and half the, the half the OBGYNs out there don't even get that. And I'm like, there's reference ranges literally on the test for follicular phase, ovulatory phase, luteal phase. So don't tell me the science doesn't know it. That's why they're putting different ranges, but you as a doctor don't understand that you need to know which of those (laughs) parts of your cycle you're in, you know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Sorry. That drives me crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And yeah. and that takes me back to what you were saying a moment ago about 
recognizing that this isn't something in you to fight. Like if you're experiencing imbalance, it's like, okay, well, what needs to be tweaked so that my system can work Mm -hmm. more in homeostasis? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that. And I know the feeling of fighting. I mean, with my example of like drinking the Earl Grey at Mm -hmm. 2 PM, Mm -hmm. that's me fighting my system. Saying like, it's inconvenient for me to feel tired now. And um, so I'm going to actually not respect my system. Like I wasn't respecting my system when I was drinking that Earl Grey and Mm I knew it. Yeah. And I was doing it anyway. And I was like, well, tastes good. I'm having a little ritual. Yep. Yep. You're like, it's bringing me back up, get more work done. Yeah. 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 Right. And I think this is the culture that we have just, you know, women are like, for, for a couple of generations, we've been like, you know, back in the workplace, earning as much as men. Like there's, that was feminism was yeah. like, we can do it too. Yeah. And, and it's like a whole other movement now that's like, how do we actually honor the feminine yes. and work yes. so that we are like rejuvenating our resources are, you know, yeah. always accumulating rather than expecting more of ourselves at like while we're depleted, yeah. which feels like yeah. abuse to me. It just yeah. it's like no more. Yeah. Well, I, you know, this is always controversial when I say this, but I don't believe that we can do it all. You know, there's, there's yes. been this push in the past few years, like we can do it all. Why should, why should we have to do why? it all? Men don't do it all. <laughs> you know, yeah. they get to, for the most part, I mean, things are changing, but they get to focus on their work and, you know, have their their wife or partner at home taking care of all the other things, including her own work. No human being is actually meant to do it all, no. but particularly, you know, and, and I, um, I want to be, I'm, I'm saying women here, you know, also trying to encompass like menstruating people, right. Because obviously, you know, there's, there's different people that are, um, menstruating. So, you know, I'll just say that if you have a menstrual cycle or you are, you know, in, I mean, even menopause is different, honestly, because at that point, your hormones are, are pretty leveled out. You know, I mean, it's, it can be tough in the beginning and not to say that you won't have any symptoms, but you're, you're working with pretty level estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA throughout the month, just like men do, you know, Mm. versus cycling person or cycling woman is going to have natural fluctuations throughout the month you know, of their cycle. And so what we should be doing at different times of the month looks different, right? What our bodies are sort of calling for us to do. And this is why I think learning how to track your cycle is such a hugely beautiful gift to ourselves. Because first of all, you're going you're gonna to find out how cool your body is when you start tracking your cycle. I, I was had an interview recently about this um, cycling and and it's so fascinating, right? So one of the things that we know that we're getting ready to ovulate is that we have, you know, uh, this um, uh, mucal, mucus discharge, right? And for so much of my life, I was like, ah, I think I might have like yeast going on, right? Like, cause you have this discharge and you're just like, it's this kind of like weird. I'm like, it's not really cottage cheesy, but it's, like kind of um, egg yolky, you know, and it's, it's cervical mucus, right? And so cervical mucus is what like enables sperm 
to get to your egg, right? Because we actually have very acidic environment in our vagina and it allows it to get there. And so you are going to release the cervical mucus in the couple of days before ovulation, right? And it's so cool when you understand that's happening because you're like, I'm in my ovulatory phase, which is maybe the time where I feel like going out more, being out in the world more, you know, connecting, being more social, doing more work. I may be like, things are coming much easier during that phase, you know, versus a week later when you're in your luteal phase, you know, getting closer to your period, that may be the time where you really need to start to rein it in, you know, pull it back in. And I'll go back to your exercise question. Cause I know we went like way off, I went way off tangent, but you know, that is also a really cool thing to track your cycle because different exercise is going to be different you know, for you, like in terms of it supporting you or not supporting you at different times of the month, different times of the cycle. Um, So, you know, with exercise, if you do have this cortisol, you know, depletion, um, adrenal dysregulation going on, yes, I don't think it's a good idea to do HIT. You know, you're you're kind of like, you're burnt and you're like burning further, right? right? Right. But movement can be very supportive. So yoga, Pilates, bar, going for walks, you know, in and of themselves, moving your body is going to be supportive as you're able to start doing it, you know? And sometimes, like you mentioned, you have to kind of push yourself a little bit, yeah, you know, in in order to get going, but like, don't overdo it, I say, you know? And I think a lot of women are like, trying to get back if they haven't been working out, they're trying to get back to hit, you know, they're trying to get back to cardio. And when you have depleted adrenals, that's not a good idea. You know, you're going to deplete them further, but you probably, you're, once you really give yourself some time and do the supports that you need to, you can get back to doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and every person is individual. So I can't say that across the board, but absolutely. Like, you know, I was the same way. I had total adrenal dysregulation, you know, and now really for me following just how I'm feeling, it's not even, you have to track your cycle as much, just how I'm feeling. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I want to like really get that out and, and it feels good. And then other times I'm like, I need to move. And part of me thinks I should do hit, but my body's actually telling me to do some stretching. Uh-huh. You know, do some restorative yoga, just go for a walk. I mean, we're lucky enough to be surrounded by these incredible, incredible. forests, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for me, that's so rejuvenating, right? And yeah. so getting back to yourself, getting away from technology, if you can, you know, yeah. that's what's going to yeah. be so supportive. Yeah. It's funny that you say, like, you know, if the mind is saying you should work out, I don't think my mind ever says that. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't come in. Yeah. That like my mind says you should go in the woods, like in the deep woods and play yeah. with your puppy and like, you know, yeah. go to church that way. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's what my mind knows is true. But my mind is never like, okay, I have to commit to this kind of exercise today. I'm always like, where is my body today? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, going back to my point earlier, like as I am you know, just cleaning up this, even just, just the sugar protein thing and the coffee enemas. Um, and, and coming back to that, like my body is like, now you have energy and you must lift weights. Like, I mean, that's as clear as the message. Yes. Yes. You must lift weights. Oh, now you must run. Like that's, that's really what's happening. And thankfully, um, with my schedule, I'm able to, 
to honor that. Yeah. And Um, I will say about the lifting weights, it is actually a really good thing to get into in your forties. So, and I'm, you know, I tell my clients, you know, even five pound weights, like it's not like you have to Right. be lifting, you know, whatever, like a hundred yeah. pounds going to the gym, you know, five pound weights, because you, as we age and our estrogen levels go down, right. Estrogen is very supportive of bone health. And one mm-hmm. of the biggest issues for women in menopause is osteoporosis. And that's mm-hmm. directly connected to the drop in estrogen that happens at menopause. Right. And so we you know another big issue too, is that our testosterone, women do have testosterone too. And it's a very important hormone for us too. It's obviously not the levels that it is in men, but it is important, you know, for our libido, for our kind of get up and go. Um, but those testosterone levels start to naturally decline too. And weight training is one of the best ways to support your testosterone levels and you're helping your bone health. You're really setting yourself up. If you start doing it in your forties and continue that you're helping your bone health in a massive way. I mean, of course there's lots of other things you need to do, but it's huge, you know, and we've shied away from that. I'm sorry. Can you hold on one second? I know your cat is like, he he wants to get out. All right. So the kitty had to get outside. Um, I'm really loving this functional conversation because it's, it's so holistic and makes so much sense. And I just see this common, you know, culturally it's like, oh, okay. We have all of this energy in our twenties and thirties and like, let's keep, let's use it up and let's keep expecting that of the, the feminine, you know, right. like keep expecting of that of the, the women's bodies. And this is like, actually, no things yeah. need to change. But one of the things I was thinking about, and you recently did on a podcast episode on hormonally speaking, your podcast about this, about alcohol, because I think as we, you know, maybe as the energy starts to taper and, you know, the stress is high, like I was saying about the Earl Grey or like whatever it is that we reach for, like we're reaching for alcohol, caffeine, you know, whatever, to yep. like something to get us up in the it. day and then something to bring us down at night. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is further depleting the system. Yeah. And, um, and so I know like, I, I think we talked about this when you were on the first time about alcohol and it was like, don't even try it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really like, don't drink. I yeah. mean, I'm not absolute about right. it. Um, and, but I don't want to, like, yeah. I don't want to anymore. Whereas like I used to, in my twenties and thirties, I was like, yay, red wine. Yeah. Every right. day, like bring it right. on. Yeah. 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 Like mm-hmm. I would cut, you know, in my twenties, like got home from work, made dinner with a glass of red wine, like no big deal, Yeah. but massive changes in my system as I approached like the end of my thirties. And then I kind of fought it and I was like, but I still want to drink red wine. Yep. And it's like, no girl, you can't. Yeah. Like, this is, this is not happening. I always say, particularly 40 is that time. I think where so many women are, you know, come to me and they say, man, I got sung, so hung over off of a glass of wine, you know? And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. It's just what it is, you know? And, and, uh, you know, I like to back up here because I think a lot of women think perimenopause forties and technically I mean, obviously, depending on who you ask, but 35 is when we go into perimenopause. And you even, you know, see that 
if you are trying to have a baby and you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. they're going to tell you it's harder to get pregnant after age 35, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the beginnings of perimenopause, usually we don't notice a lot of changes in our 30s necessarily. We'll still have a regular cycle, you know, sex drive is still fine, all these things. Um, but your progesterone is just naturally biologically starting to diminish, right? Mm-hmm. And progesterone is important for a million reasons, but when it comes to fertility, that's what enables you to, um, you know, house the baby, to keep the baby, to not miscarry essentially, you know? So that's why miscarriages and things like that become more prevalent Mm. in your late thirties. Um, but you know, progesterone is, it helps you sleep. It, you know, is a vitality hormone. It balances out your estrogen. There's so many different things. And so you start to have this natural decrease. You may not notice it quite yet, Um, But things like, you know, for example, me having a fibroid at age 38, Mm -hmm. that shows, I mean, you can have fibroids, trust me, there's women in their twenties that have fibroids, but for me who had a very regular cycle, who was eating well, you know, and taking care of myself, um, definitely I understand now it was kind of the culmination of me starting to have that naturally lower progesterone and estrogen dominance can come into play. Right. And estrogen feeds fibroids essentially. Mm. And the stress of, you know, going back to the beginning and we're talking about like entrepreneurship, right. And having your own business. And it's really hard. And this is a big thing that I tell women that are entrepreneurs, you know, the lessons that I've had to learn is like, you have to create real boundaries with yourself around your business because it will take over everything. Right. And the stress of it. And it, I mean, some of it, you, it's just, it is what it is, right? Your first couple of years are going to be stressful, but really creating spaces in that for you, where you get some calming time is absolutely necessary because it was the culmination of all of the stress of, you know, trying to build my own business as an artist, as a dancer, mm-hmm. you know, coupled with that lowered progesterone. And all of a sudden I had this nice big fat fibroid grow, you know, mm-hmm. and stress is such an underlying component of things like fibroids, ovarian cysts, polyps, PMS, the list goes on, you know, they're mm-hmm. it's all kind of coming from the same place. And then you hit 40 and it's sort of this magical number around the alcohol, going back to the alcohol, you know, our our bodies just don't process things quite as well at that point when you're starting to have these shifting hormones, right? These hormones are interconnected with how your liver functions, right? And your liver has to detoxify hormones, just like it has to detoxify alcohol, you know, over-the-counter drugs, cigarette smoke, everything we take. Our liver even has to um, detoxify supplements, you know, literally everything that comes in our mouth it's broken down, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. metabolized essentially. And then, you know, what isn't needed goes out our bowels, goes out our pee, goes out through sweat. And that's why those things are so important too, right? We want to just get that, you know, and it's not some woo-woo idea of toxins. Like this is real things, you know, like like, our our body has to metabolize everything, but things like alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, they're going to go to the front of the line because Mm -hmm. your body's like, you're going to die if these things are floating around, you know? So right. boom, you know, your sex hormones or all your hormones get 
you know, booted to the back of the line. And particularly with estrogen, that's so important because as I just mentioned, your progesterone is already naturally lowering. If your estrogen isn't getting detoxified properly, isn't being metabolized properly, it can actually recirculate in your system. So suddenly you have these higher levels of estrogen going on. So you'll see, you know, sometimes women, their PMS gets worse in their forties. They're not able to, you know, detoxify their alcohol as well. And it's just this whole thing that's intermingled. And so, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody not to drink at all, but I guarantee you, if you cut way, way back on your alcohol, your cycle is going to run more smoothly in your forties. You know, everything's going to feel better. It's going to feel better. It is, it is, you know, and, and it is a stress on the body, you know, it is, it does impact your cortisol levels too. Um, and we're using it often. Exactly. We're using it. Yeah. We're using it as a crutch in order to cope with the dysfunction. Yeah. And our bodies really want us to change. They want us to deal with the dysfunction. They want us to make those changes. And so that's why I actually see perimenopause as a really beautiful time Mm. of our lives, right? Mm. Like uh, some people will call it the second puberty. And if you think about Mm. first puberty, right? It's like, we had like no hormones going on. And suddenly we have like estrogen comes in first. It's like this burst of estrogen. Right. And so that's why things are just wacky those first few years, you know, you're just like, Oh my God, what's happening. You know, because you don't start producing progesterone right away. Like you need to Mm -hmm. uh, ovulate consistently because you only produce progesterone when you ovulate. You, You produce very small amounts of progesterone, but the big stuff comes from ovulation. So it takes several years for all of that to, you know, kind of calm down. And some uh, experts say it takes actually about seven years for your cycle to kind of normalize. So, Hmm. you know, say if you start at 12, you know, you're hitting 20, almost 20, 19, 20 before things really start to regulate. So now you've got your 20s and your 30s where things are pretty regular, late 30s we're starting to kind of wind backwards, right? So that's why they call it the second puberty. And so if you think about all these fluctuations in Mm -hmm. hormones, of course, everything else is going to be impacted. But it is such a time of life where you can really set up to say, Mm. who am I now? Who do I want to be? How do I want to live the second half of my life? And I think one of the things that we're lucky about, you know, right now, living right now as women is that we can choose to throw off these ideas of getting older, aging out, not being sexy anymore, not being, you know, full of vitality, right? It That's old cultural stuff that, that you know, that we all um, bought into and was placed on us and continues. But there's a lot of avenues now that you can really say, wow, this part of my life can actually be about me. Yeah. When the first part was like, get your family going, get your career going, you know, do all of that. Yeah. The hustle. And now it's like, well, who do I want to be for me for the rest of my life, you know, and really set those standards. It can be uncomfortable. Like, don't get me wrong, but I think it's making you ask the really valid questions. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. And I've been talking about it on the podcast, so I don't, won't really repeat the stories at all, but 
you know, just this topic of depletion and like, you know, working so hard as an entrepreneur, as a, you know, as a partner to various people, like putting Mm -hmm. yourself out there and then not being like met by like, it seems like, like the energy of the universe, you know, as a woman and really looking at this, like, well, where is the, um, you know, the return on the expenditure of like my personal resources, um, and my energy and, really diving so much deeper into that inquiry in the past year. And I love what you're saying about perimenopause because I didn't do it because I knew I was going into perimenopause, but like, I think this summer and watching what you were saying, I was like, this, this is that time. And, you know, yes, like the beginning entrepreneurial years are crazy. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, okay, you and I were talking before we started, it's like, okay, this is built. Like Mm -hmm. this is built. I got the stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Um, I don't have to work at that pace anymore. Like I don't have to do that anymore. And it's corresponding with this age of 40 where I am not content to feel depleted in my energy. Like I'm not going to do it. Yep period. Mm -hmm. Um, be that like, you know, if, if I had an agenda that I was going to work out that day, but my body is saying, no, you're going to actually schedule an arrest today. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I'm going to do because I'm going to take care of and preserve my energy. Like I'm not going to drink a coffee because the depletion that I'm going to feel on the other side of the spike is not sustainable to Absolutely. my energetics. Yep. And so starting to make those empowered decisions and like, you know, as a woman and a sexual being, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not done yet. Yeah. Uh, like nowhere yeah. near done yeah. yet. And so, um, yeah, like really looking at this and embracing this time and taking care of myself so that like, there's so much more satisfaction, yeah. so much more nourishment and, I am saying this explicitly because I love this conversation so much. And I think people listening, like that choice as a woman, like you can always make it like, oh, this smoothie in the morning isn't serving me anymore. Oh, this extra hustle after I've already worked all day isn't serving me anymore. 100%. Like I'm actually going to choose thriving life. I'm going to choose nourishment. I'm going to like figure out what that means for for each person. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about my own work these days, because it's always very front of my mind that stress to me was the huge part of my fibroid growth. Right. And it's like, I don't want it to grow again because reality is once you've had a fibroid, they often grow back because we have to make changes to the underlying reasons. Right. And this is a big one for me. You know, the thing about being an entrepreneur is of course we we want to be successful we want to be doing the things that we're doing we're doing work that you know we love hopefully most of the time um and we feel like we have to do all the time, right? Mm-hmm. There's, well, there's always something you could do. A hundred percent. Like it's never ending. Yes, or this, or this. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I need to get back to this for whatever. There's so many things to do. Yeah. And it's a radical thing to choose. Wow, my body's feeling really tired right now. So even though I was gonna try and do all these things, I, I actually 
am going to listen to my body, take that rest. Mm. And I'm going to believe that that's actually going to help my work. Mm. That's going to actually help my career. That's going to, yeah. And you know, that's my work all the time. Right. Because yes. like, even like right now, you know, I'm putting together this hormone summit I'm putting together, mm-hmm. um, a thrive in perimenopause program. And even when then that, you know, obviously I could be working nonstop. And today I woke up and I was like, whew, okay, I got a couple of things this morning. And then there's a million things I need to do on both of those fronts and I'm not going to do it. I need a rest. I need a rest, you know, and allowing that to actually be supportive of my business. And I'm, I gotta, I gotta walk my talk. You know what I'm saying? Uh Like I can't be telling other women, you know? And, Uh and I mean, I don't have a child, you know, I don't, there's a lot of things that other women have to take care of that I don't have to take care of, you know? And so if I'm sitting here not taking care of myself, how can I tell any of them (laughs) to do that? You know, like it, but I, what I found within myself and a lot of my clients is we have these beliefs yeah. That we have to be doing all the things all the time, yeah. you know, that we can't take time away from our kids, that we can't take time away from our partners, that we can't set up boundaries in our work, you know, and I know it's not always easy. It's very rarely easy, but as you begin to even set small boundaries, you know, I remember working with a client and she was like, I literally just don't have a moment in my day to, you know, breathe. And I said, okay, so let's look at your schedule, you know, and she would leave work at three to pick up her son and then go drop him off at home. And I think, you know, get going on some other stuff. And I said, well, you know, is there a time in there for you to leave five minutes earlier from your work and just sit in your car mm-hmm. and just do a meditation, breath work, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, I think I can do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And she started doing that and literally, Five minutes a day, just get in five minutes a day. It's going to start to shift things, you know, like, and, you know, I mean, you've taught so much of a, a, so much about intuition and, you know, how to really connect to the body. If you don't get into that quiet space, you're not going to ever connect with what your body's telling you, with what your intuition is telling you, you know, we, we need that. And the, I feel like the more you start to set those boundaries and you see how they work for you then you can set more, you know? And I mean, I was mentioning to you before, you know, especially when I'm working really hard, like there may be a Saturday I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I want to just lay in this bed and I won't end up laying all day, but I'll lay for maybe three or four hours and just whatever, watch some stupid TV, do whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. allowing myself that and allowing if I did want to stay in bed all day, that that's what I'm going to do, you know? And there's actually a really good interview that I did with a woman who had um, fibroids and she's got a family and she's like, they know my cycle. They know, you know, very clearly when I've started my period and that that is my day. And I was like, I love that. I love somebody standing up and saying that because so many women feel like, well, I can't not be there for my family when, you know, this is happening or that is happening. And you can, you know, like, yeah, right. It's and, not always and, simple or, you know, yeah. you can't do it every moment, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
Yeah. I love that. Like educating the family and, you know, I'm a mom of a 12 year old son and it's just he and I in the house. And I will actually tell him Mm -hmm. that my, like, I'll tell him when I'm beginning to bleed. Mm -hmm. Um, not like, I'm not talking about blood, but like, he knows that there's this cycle and on that day I'm going to rest. Yes. And some people would be like, Whoa, fucking TMI with your 12 year old. But he's going to be a man one day yep. <laughs> and he's, you know, I'm like, you're setting himself up cycles. in a good way, you know? Yeah. yeah for the woman, yeah. he, he's going to be like, yeah. 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 And yeah. I have these energy cycles, like throughout the month, I have these energy cycles throughout the day. And so like, he'll, he'll watch me do that. Um, I love what you're saying so much. I don't know if you know this. I have a whole, like, it's a 90 day planner for mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. structure and flow. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. masculine, you know, the, the go, the action, the doing and the feminine flow and women track their time and energy for 90 days, but there's a whole boundary component to it. And what I'm finding, um, like with me, with all the women that I see use this is that so oftentimes it is the clarity in where your energy is going. And like, why are you making the agreements that you're making mm-hmm. on your own energy? Yes. Why are you consenting to depletion? I know why it's because we've set up, been set up to believe that we have to yep. make those consensions on our own depletion, but we do not. And so I love, um, you know, it, I don't, it, boundaries aren't like, a, a fight or a push. And I know you and I are on the same page with this, but I always like to talk about this when I talk about boundaries, because I think when women are so depleted or, you know, just recognizing like, oh, I've been, you know, kind of taken advantage of for a long time, then the boundary can feel like a defense. Mm-hmm, and right. it's like, mm-hmm. you know, get out of, you know, it's like a push, but that I think is more taxing on our cortisol. Yeah. Yep. And so really it's, it's really about clarity. Like mm-hmm. where is my energy going? Is this what I continue to choose? Right. And right. how am I replenishing? Right. And yeah. understanding it's your choice for sure. You know, I mean, exactly. not a hundred percent of the time I get it, you right. know, um, right. but there's so many spots and that's what I love about you having yeah. that tracker. There's so many spots when you start to track, you're like, oh, I am giving my energy away exactly. here, you know, and I right. don't need to be like, I really can pull back in this place. And it, once you get that clarity inside of yourself, right, then you can be very clear with the people in your life without it coming off in this like harsh way or this you know, like angry way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just not available for that right now. Right. Right. What so amazing you... words coming out of women's mouths. Exactly. I'm yeah. Just it's not incredible. For this. I got, um, <laughs> this message in my inbox from someone that I know, and we're kind of like partnering on a project or like mm-hmm. he's a part of a, a group project. Mm-hmm. And I got a message in my inbox and this was like the last week of summer. I, you know, school was going to start with my, for my child. I was, feeling all of the effects of the imbalance I was talking about previously. Mm-hmm. And he reached out and he said, I'd like to talk to you about this other person in the group. I could tell, like, he was essentially asking me to emotionally labor. Mm-hmm. He was essentially asking me to do what other people pay me to do. Right. And I said, I'm not available for that. Yeah. And it, it rocked him. And oh, I'm the sure. next response that I got was like, oh, I just thought you would want to be involved, you know, like a little bit of an an attempt at like emotional manipulation because like the woman didn't just say, oh, here's all of my energy, right? you know? And I was like, 
He's no, like, but really? I'm going to give you exposure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. But, no, he's not. I was like, no, but really, yeah. I'm not available. Like, period, end of story. There, There's a no energy allocation yeah. to give in this direction right now. Yeah. And I feel super clear about that. I don't need to yeah. fight about that. I don't need to tell you how sorry I am. I'm not. It's just not there. Right. Right. And that's, that's okay. Liberating. But, right. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a negative thing. You're not coming at him, you know, in this extreme way. It's just in general, men are so used to women giving and yes. giving and giving that when they hear a no, they take it in a, yeah. you know, in a negative way. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. There are like, we could just go on and on, yeah. but I, I do want to cycle back around to enemas because we've mentioned yes. it twice. And I'm like, if we don't talk about it, it's going to be, be mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I love, so you were talking about the liver yeah. being responsible for, for cleansing out yeah. um, the toxins and the hormones. I would love mm-hmm. to hear you talk about the coffee enemas and hormones and yeah. the tie between that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, coffee enemas are definitely uh, always an interesting thing to bring up with my clients, you know, <laughs> but I will say, you know, um, I mean, be gentle with them. If you haven't done them before, take it really low and slow. Um, You know, they are not the be all end all answer when you have gut issues, but they can be super helpful. Um, If you are doing any kind of detox protocol, I highly recommend them because a lot of times people will take, you know, uh, what we call eradication agents for different, you know, whatever's going on in their system. Um, And if you don't get that out, it's not good when it's, it's hanging around it's, in your body. Where yeah, is it yeah, yeah, yeah. And particularly like if you lean towards constipation. So let me say, I'm in no way saying use coffee enemas for constipation. There's other reasons you have that constipation. You got to figure that out, but it can be helpful in the process of just keeping things flowing out. But in terms of li- the liver, so liver is interesting because, you know, there's all these like biliary, we call them biliary, um, uh, biliary tree, but it's like basically kind of these little uh, veins, if you would think of it that way, that that connect throughout our digestive system back to different organs, right? Mm. So we have some of this pretty, you know, early in when you go in the anus, right? So it's like the anus and then the sigmoid colon. Um, and what happens is coffee actually has these components, including caffeine that are very sort of like good for the liver in terms of like triggering the push out when they're going in that way. They're good. So basically when, yeah, yeah. when you go in, right, right. You know, and and they can be good the other way, but then Uh you have to deal with all of the impacts on blood sugar and et cetera. You're not being impacted with your blood sugar when it's going in that way. And basically, you know, because of these little biliaries that connect there is one that goes down or is connected down by anus sigmoid colon that will, you know, tra- take those components from the coffee up to your liver to basically kind of like, you know, detoxify it. But what it does is trigger this, you know, just push out of bile. So bile is a really important substance. Our liver produces it. Our gallbladder stores it. And every time we eat fat, it triggers the bile to be released in order to emulsify the fat. But also the bile has all of the things that our liver has metabolized mm-hmm. in it and cholesterol and all these you know, other components. And it's going to move through your digestive system in order to help 
take those detoxified metabolized things out of your body via your stool, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you do that coffee enema and it does that big trigger, that big release of bile. So you're basically like clearing out some stuff that's stored up in there. Right. Yeah. And what can happen, bile can get really sludgy in the little biliary that's connected between our liver and our colon. And, you know, eventually things like gallbladder stones mm-hmm. can, can mm-hmm. form, you know, so we like to keep that, you know, nice and um, just keep it moving. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this can be really helpful. There's some people that say that it triggers a big um, production of uh, glutathione, which is our master antioxidant. It's huge in liver detox and, you know, particularly with what's happening right now, a lot of people are talking about NAC um, and acetylcysteine, which is great, but NAC is actually a precursor to glutathione, right? Mm. And so glutathione is, you know, we're finding is hugely protective around, you know, COVID immune things, et cetera. Mm. So um, some people say that we produce quite a lot of glutathione from coffee enemas, Mm. right? And so basically, you know, I mean, the specifics, it's not going to like push your uh, hormones to the front of the line to be detoxified by the liver, but it's going to help sort of like clear that bile out so things can keep moving through it. Right. Um, And I love the bile purge. I'm just going to say here on my own podcast, I fucking love the bile purge. I'm like, there's nothing else like it. Like your body doesn't really like, I don't experience that as someone with kind of sluggish digestion. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like you're not experiencing that in another way. Right. Like, thanks right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we really want to keep that. I mean, going back to the hormones, we want to keep that estrogen moving out of our body. Right. Yeah. And so getting, getting that bile moving, getting things moving down through your colon and out is just, it's going to be super helpful. Um, and you've done whole episodes on this, on your Yes, podcast. there is. Yeah. There is one that get, you know, breaks down all of the stuff and how to do it and everything. Yeah. So, um, you know, just like anything, like I don't recommend doing it all the time. People can obviously become dependent on it. You know, people often ask me, do I, you know, what do you think about colonics? And clonics are great too in certain situations, but, you know, coffee enema is, is easy because you can do it at home mm-hmm. by yourself. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't cost you past buying the coffee in the bucket or what have you, you know? Um, and it, you know, it definitely just so many of us are so backed up. I hate yeah. to say it, you know, yeah. it's such a huge thing in our culture. And so to keep things moving is it, it supports your vitality in a major way. Yeah. 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 Do, so do you have any, I know a blanket recommendation is like you, you, we can't really, but, and I'm hearing you say, don't do it too much, but like, yeah. what, what is a frequency that's like good? Right. Well, it kind of depends on what's going on with you. So like, again, if I am, you know, working with somebody and they're doing an eradication protocol and by that, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've done testing, we found out that they have different, you know, opportunistic bacteria or parasites or worms or things like that going on, which by the way, mm-hmm. most of us have, yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. people like are like, not, nah, I don't have warrant. And I'm like, well, <laughs> cause well, I mean, why would our pets have it? And we don't get it. Why it, yeah. it's out in the world. Like it's just, you know, it doesn't care about borders. It's not just in third world countries. <laughs> right. <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. yeah, it's yeah. here. 
So if you're doing something, you know, to help like eradicate those, so there's certain herbs that help to eradicate uh-huh. those, right? Then, you know, particularly if you sometimes like the uh, killing phase, because these things don't necessarily like to be killed, they can back people up sometimes, right? Mm. And so we want to keep things moving. So like, I would say, you know, in that case, maybe like twice a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're just generally trying to support your health, I mean, once every couple of weeks, it really just kind of depends mm-hmm. on what's going mm-hmm. on for you individually. Some people love them and they do them weekly and it works really well for them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, you know, obviously if you have really intense disease and illness, you know, there's lots of programs out there that will say like do a coffee enema daily, you know? But I think if you're, you know, you don't really want to tap into that unless you absolutely need to, because a big thing about it that I like to you know remind people is it it is going to take electrolytes out of your body. So you want to replenish mm-hmm. those electrolytes afterwards. Sometimes if you do uh, tend towards dehydration, I say drink electrolytes beforehand and afterwards mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that you replenish things, you know, mm-hmm. and we don't ever want our bodies to become dependent right on something to be able to go to the bathroom, you know? And if, if the only way that you can go to the bathroom is by doing enemas, like there's other things going on, you need to work on that. Gotta you know? taper that off. Yeah. yeah including just dis- <laughs> gut dysbiosis and including physical, like working with somebody who can physically manipulate mm-hmm. uh, your intestines can mm-hmm. be huge. I've seen huge help, you know, working mm-hmm. those two together, like working on the gut dysbiosis and, you know, cl- clients that have had chronic constipation for their entire lives getting that physical manipulation in there has just changed the game. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. I had, I think I was like 23 and maybe even younger. And, you know, I birthed this nine pound child and gave her away for adoption and mm-hmm. had this like huge gut. I mean, the, the psychological like trauma related mm-hmm. to the gut was just so massive at that mm-hmm. time in my mm-hmm. life. But yeah. I couldn't digest anything. And I yeah. went for like a barium enema and they were like, oh, your colon is like a roller coaster. Like I, you mm. don't have a transverse colon. And that was something that I just mm. like believed about myself for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is why I'm chronically constipated. This is why. Mm-hmm. And so I love hearing you say that because at some point I was like, this does not always have to be true. Right. You know, right. like, but, yeah. but we begin to believe like, oh, this is how my colon is, right. or this is how my health is. Right. Um, and so it's like, hmm, no, that doesn't, that doesn't right. necessarily have to be true. And, and you know, that way anymore. And, absolutely. And, yeah. and I can tell you from losing half my colon, like I lost half my transverse and all of my ascending colon. So kind of the first part of your colon, um, you know, so basically I have a weird, like the end of my small intestine, they stapled, and sewed back to the rest of my colon. Right. Huh. So like where most colons kind of have this like pathway of like going up on your right side and then going across, yeah. you know, the top kind of at your bra strap and then going down on the left side and then connecting, you know, kind of going to the side and connecting down to your anus. I just have this kind of across the lower part of my stomach now, like huh. by my belly button, right? It's like it goes small intestine to colon and then just down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I mean, 
in my case, like the biggest thing I had to deal with, and this happens a lot when you lose part of your colon is uh, loose stools, like things just move faster, you know, but what I came to realize it has much more to do with your microbiome. I think our digestion has much more to do with our microbiome than anything else. Um, and for sure helping it, you know, some of the structures, but like the physical manipulation that I was talking about, it's called visceral manipulation and it's usually uh, PTs that do it. Mm. A lot of times it's the, you know, I mentioned a valve earlier, right? The valve that goes mm. from your stomach to your small intestine. We have multiple valves in mm-hmm. our um in our colon and our small intestine. And so particularly the ileocecal valve, which connects the small intestine and the colon that can get stuck. Mm. And so visceral manipulation, they'll basically kind of get unstuck. Um, There's also some energy work around it where like, I don't even fully understand it, but I had one uh, visceral manipulation specialist tell me about like essentially the energy kind of moving in one direction, especially around these valves when it needs to be moving in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so they'll work on that too. So, you know, it's really, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Cause it's just like these little kinks, just like anything, right. We get kinks in our neck or we get kinks in yeah. our body, you know, and it will stop the flow of things. Right. Yeah. So if you release that kink, then things can flow through more smoothly. Yep. Makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, thank you so much. And you have a hormone summit coming I up. I do. Yeah. So it yeah, starts on September 20th and that okay. is a free hormone summit. Um, amazing, you know, guests talking about like, definitely there's a adrenal, uh, a whole mm. hour on adrenals, thyroid health, uh, perimenopause, menopause, mm. all the good stuff. So it's really, I've been blown away, like just blown away awesome. by all the interviews this year. And then I actually have another um, I have a program coming up that will start just a week after that, the first mm. week in October called Thrive in Perimenopause, because yes. all the things that we've talked about today and how yes. amazing this time of life is, if we know how to use it and work with it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I mean, one of the things that I always tell people, so I'm almost 43 now, you know, and I had horrible periods from when I started my period till about like age 32 and then things got better, but I still had to like, you know, pop Advil every month and do all the things. Um, and then of course, you know, post-surgery things go all out of whack, but in everything that I've done on healing my gut, working with my hormones, I actually have the best periods of my life now, which is when most women actually have kind of the worst Mm -hmm. periods of their life. So you can actually, even after having horrible periods for a long time, make things better if you know what to do. Right. Awesome. And so that's what this program is all about. Just giving you the tools to like, feel good, feel good in your body. Yes. It's time. It It is so time. Well, thank you so much for being here for this conversation, for doing your work in the world. It's always awesome to talk with you and you're like a walking encyclopedia in my mind. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to ask Christina. (laughs) That's that's what I know to do. I'm like, let's see what I'll tell her today. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. And and I should listen uh, to whatever you're saying. So awesome. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for having me. I always love being here. Yeah. Awesome. Enjoy your summit. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you for coming, Christine. Don't forget to follow Christine at Christine Garvin on Instagram and check out her upcoming hormone summit. Uh, I am Sarah Poet. It is my pleasure.
pleasure to be here with you. And if you'd like to find me, I am at sarahpoet.com. Don't forget to join the membership community that is now open. Please visit my new gorgeous website. And if you'd like to contact me about private sessions, um, working with you and your partnership in conscious relationship coaching, um, or do some private mentorship, all of that information is there for you as well. And I look forward to connecting with you, um, and, and meeting you and don't forget community calls the next few Sundays for the membership space as it is opening. Can't wait to see you there. So much love. This is Sarah poet of embodied breath. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you stay connected. And here's to your path of sacred remembering.